Hello, I'm Paul Petronia, and this is Archonnect Sessions Next Up Exhibit Columbus. In this fifth episode of our six-part series of conversations with the curators of Exhibit Columbus and the recipients of the J. Irwin and Xenia S. Miller Prize, we're speaking with Olalakan Jayafis. Olalakan, who also goes by Lake, as I refer to him in this conversation, is a Nigerian-born visual artist with an architecture degree from Cornell. His work has been widely exhibited at institutions including the Studio Museum in Harlem, MoMA, Vitro Design Museum, and the Guggenheim Bilbao. His work ranges from large-scale art commissions in public spaces and festivals to commercial installations. His contribution to this year's Exhibit Columbus is a fascinating hybrid of physical and virtual space entitled Archival Revival. All right, Lake, thanks so much for joining me today. So you were born in Nigeria, correct? Yeah, I was born in Nigeria and I lived there till I was around six years old. And then I moved to the States. To New York directly? No, we kind of moved around. So upstate New York a bit um, and then uh, uh, to Indiana for the next maybe four or five years. And then I finished out my high school in uh, Los Angeles. Oh, nice. We're in Los Angeles. That's where I am. You know Claremont? It's like a suburb. It's like the last city sure. in, in East. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm in Pasadena, so oh, okay. It's, uh, okay. I'm I'm on the I'm on the eastern edge now. Exactly. I started out at the beach, but yeah, slowly going east. So, what were some of your inspirations growing up? What led you to pursue architecture? Uh, you know, my mother was very much into art, design, furniture design. You know, she was a photographer as well. And so, you know, she would take me to the library, the the public library, wherever we lived, and we would just take out books, books on art, books on Danish furniture, Japanese architecture, West African architecture, West African art. So, I mean, from I'd say pretty much my entire life. I had wanted to be an architect just through, you know, just that experience of of pouring over, you know, these really cool coffee table photography books around design and architecture seemed like uh, the field that encapsulated all of that. Yeah, yeah. And then you studied at, at Cornell yes. for architecture. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your your work and practice? So I'd say I'm I'm somewhere between a, a like a, a public artist that does large scale installation and a you know visual artist that does speculative architecturally inspired work, right? I pretty much pattern my my artistic career after the sort of studio environment at Cornell. That's kind of my approach to whatever project that I may be working on, you know, which is giving myself a particular narrative arc or kind of conceptual framework for producing artwork around the things that interest me, you know, contemporary political, environmental, social, mythological realities. So you consider yourself more of a of an artist that has uh, with with an architectural background and, and clear inspiration, architectural inspiration more so than than an architect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At least in this point in time in my in my career. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about some of the projects that you've been working on these last couple of years leading up to this Miller Prize? Okay, yeah. So, you know, um I actually just finished a project in sorry, Alexandria, Virginia called Rotten It Labors and Legacies. And so it's a series of 
four sort of 10-foot-tall sculptural profiles that really examined the history of this port city, particularly its commercial and industrial enterprises, as well as the fact that it was the largest domestic slave trading city in the U.S. And so really looking at those The two histories, but really the idea that one history is inextricably connected to the other. That was sort of what I was trying to articulate with uh, the sculptures, which visibly present as these large silhouettes of of Black figures that embody through kind of uh, like a iron, wrought iron sort of detailed, you know, lattice work various symbols and icons that reflect the commercial and industrial enterprises of the city. So the idea that they're literally, you know, bound up in the bodies of these figures. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So first of all, congratulations on on being named Miller Prize recipient. What was your initial response to, uh, to hearing about that prize? And did it kind of uh, bring back any kind of thoughts on your time in Indianapolis or Indiana? Absolutely, absolutely. I was I was really very excited. I I you know I, I lived as, as I mentioned in Bloomington, Indiana, which is not too far from Columbus. I'd been to Columbus many many times, both just visiting it as a child as well as through sports. I, I dove and I ran track, and so you know Columbus West, I believe, and Columbus East are their two schools were within our, you know, within our sort of sports. I don't know what the word is, but we played them, right? So I've been to Columbus quite a few times. So for me, just in that regard, it was really exciting to, in a sense, return, right? After I hadn't been back to Indiana in a very, very long time. And so in that aspect, and then of course, you know, looking at it from the vantage point of now being an adult, you know, and being an, an architect, a designer, and having familiarity with, of course, the city of Columbus. And it's it's a unique place, of course, as a sort of architectural mecca for modernist architecture. So I'm just excited about the opportunity to respond in some way to these specific things. So the, the site for your installation, the Cleo Rogers Memorial Library, it's clearly a major driver behind the concept of your installation, uh, Archival Revival. Were you already familiar with that history or, or can you talk about how you kind of dove into into that history yeah no i wasn't familiar with the history at all so i i spoke with several of the librarians and and asked about getting information on you know like whatever might be in the archives around just the history of the um library itself Trisha Gilson, I believe she's the one who sent over this information. And they just had uh, several of these clippings around, you know, this Africa, uh, you know, this African art exhibit. And, and it seemed to be actually the very first exhibit, you know, held at the library. So I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was interesting, particularly because this is, you know, IMP design build and aero science build and you know, all the others are, you know, very much rooted in, in the modernist tradition. And of course, the modernist tradition has connection to African art, particularly through abstraction, right? So both IMP as well as Henry Moore's uh, large arch within the plaza, by the very function of being modernist artifacts, draw on that sort of African art history, right? So for me, in a sense, the exhibit was almost like an an unintended and informal recognition of that fact. 
But then digging deeper into it, I realized it was it was part of a two-month-long program developed by the Human Relations Commission. And that shortly after the African art exhibit, they they held an, another program in the fall called the Columbus Black Arts Festival that took place over six weeks. So I was just really fascinated by this very little-known history, you know, and how it does, in a way, connect directly to modernist architecture and art. So I thought it would be really interesting to, you know, have my project relate in multiple ways directly to the site, to the library, and particularly exhuming these artifacts from the archive. When you think of the archival library, it's typically always in in this basement. You see movies like National Treasure, they always visit these archives, right, to, you know, sift through, you know, old clippings or artifacts and, and such. And so these things don't really see the light of day, right? unless someone is investigating a particular thing. So I thought it'd be interesting to really bring out these particular details and information or, or, or like around this festival and use it as a means of producing the sculptural artwork, but also creating these sort of like stations or kiosks that would then have an interactive component in addition to kind of spatial and and physical experience. And that interactive component would then connect this history to our contemporary reality and also imagine through the future. So it's a great way to develop programming as well that would really connect back to the history of the library. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an amazing design that you've come up with and and concept. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a it's a visually stunning installation physically but but it's also it i mean this augmented reality component is almost almost acts like a time machine that can like bring people to another time so let's talk about the the physical installation how did you come up with these with with these designs yeah so you know i the, the designs were taken directly from just simplifying distilling and abstracting slightly the uh, actual newspaper clippings, there were photographs of them. And I thought not only would it be interesting to really bring out this little known history, but also three specific individuals that were connected to Indiana as well. So Marie Evans is a poet. She's probably the most well-known out of the three. Um, she was a poet, longtime, um, you know, Indiana residence. She had a show um, in the 80s called The Black Experience on a kind of local TV station in Indianapolis. She was part of the Black arts movement, poet, writer. And then the other two, Wendell T. Brooks, has these really am- amazing prints that he had exhibited at the uh, library, right, when, when, when it opened. And, and he was at an art fellowship at Indiana University during that time. And then Felix... Um, uh, Felix, I'm trying to remember his last name, Felix Eboigbe, a Nigerian native who was a sculptor who was also, you know, exhibited some of his sculptures during this, you know, program. And he was, uh, you know, taught um, at Indiana University as well as was an artist in residence for, you know, I think almost 12 years, over a decade so, you know, I, I you know, I, I pretty much abstracted those images into these sort of like mastheads for each of these particular kiosks. And then the rest of the idea around, you know, the designs were thinking of places for individuals to sit 
and gather or or sit and view something or sit and be seen or stand and view. So just creating these various uh, ways of physically interacting with these kiosks while being able to access this augmented reality, you know, programming as well. And so the AR component, can you talk a little bit about how you envision that experience to feel like for the visitor? Yeah. So there will be, you know, a set of images, right? So, so AR can be activated by a QR code or it can be activated by a very particular image. And that image can then through an AR app trigger whatever sort of content that you have, you know, pre-selected, right? So for the African uh, art exhibit sort of kiosk, I, you know, have different models of, of African art and artifacts for Marie Evans, you know, maybe videos of interviews she's done or some of her poems being read aloud or even, you know, just any sort of like, you know, 3D, right? You can have 3D models, you can have video, you can have text. And so for Wendell T. Brooks, you know, his amazing intaglio prints that he exhibited, they'd be able to see that. But also it can be adjusted to connect with other contemporary artists that might be of interest and other, you know, local community groups that may want to be part of this programming as well. Right. So it becomes kind of information kiosk that's, you know, interactive and entertaining, but you also can learn something and and, and, and engage with different types of media. So. As the only project in these five installations for this iteration of uh, Exhibit Columbus that that incorporates this kind of virtual component, have you given any thought to somehow making any of this experience accessible to people that are unable to visit the installation in person? Yeah, yeah. I have actually thought about that. And, you know, I considered, you know, because anyone who downloads this app can use it, right? So I've considered just making whatever information that I put up there, the 3D models, whatever, accessible to someone who wants to place the model on their kitchen table or something. Yeah, like my plan is to, in addition to being there and having it activated, there would also be, I, I, I guess, like a less robust version of the app that can be accessed by anyone anywhere that would have information about the installation, information, you know, about the interactive elements. Yeah, I mean... Clearly, the the full experience would require being there in person and and experiencing the physical installation as well, and just yeah. being in that in that site that has that that rich history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, these days it's uh, we're 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 exploring all kinds of ways of of experiencing. Well, I mean, I I love this project. I can't wait to to uh, experience this in person when it opens up. And uh, thanks so much for uh, talking to me and, and sharing some kind of background and, and insight into, into your process. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Olakon Jayafis. If you haven't, make sure to check out our previous episodes featuring the co-curators, Dream the Combine, Future Firm, and Estudio Urbano. Stay tuned next week for our final installment in the series featuring our conversation with Sam Jacob. To learn more about Exhibit Columbus and the upcoming 2021 exhibition, go to exhibitcolumbus.org. If you have any questions or feedback you'd like to share with us, you can leave a comment on Arconnect or send an email to connect at arconnect.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with our final episode.